This is a Think Live Be production. tropical paradise it really is yeah i, mean, I had to haul all the stuff out here oh oh that's true thank you pat mm-hmm. <laughs> Why are so we we're, here? we're broadcasting from our backyard backyard instead of in the studio today so if it sounds a little different or if you hear some birds or airplanes flying by that's what it is and we're doing that so that we can social distance because in this state Nobody cares about that anymore, I guess. It's all over in Florida. Florida man. So, um, yeah, we're social distancing a little bit because there's some people at the office, at the Keller Williams office, that have come down with COVID, and we're just Are being... Are we allowed to say that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was, being we're not cautious. saying their names. There's, I, I know. There's I'm just kidding. nearly 600 agents within the Keller Williams yeah. office, and, so we're and just, you don't know which one. There's 11 of them here, so... Yeah, so we're just pick. social distancing... From Kayla and anything that she might have. <laughs> because I'm the one who's present in the office for the most part. Right? So safe than sorry. Yeah. Better we safe are. than sorry. It's really nice though. So. It's not too hot. It's not too cloudy. Yeah. And hopefully we'll, fun. it's still sunny out. So hopefully we'll, uh, bef- we'll be wrapping up before the, uh, before it's dark, <laughs> before it's dark and before the mosquitoes come. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do mosquitoes attract to you guys too? Me. Do, me oh my too. gosh. I'm they real, eat I'm, me up. I'm real it's really, really bad with me. No. Yep. It's not that they don't come and bite me and stuff, but if Pat's outside, I don't get any no none of them bother me at all. I don't get any bites, but he's like, I gotta go inside. Yeah, they I I'm I've always been yep. really, really bad. Oh, just as an update to that, we've been trying to get our porch screened. Oh yeah, we've <laughs> talked about it on the podcast. We have the, like how hard it is to find good people. Just that, right? The yeah, upstairs just, yeah. porch. Yeah. Okay. And and uh because that was my office for a long time when we went on lockdown. I was just basically working outside and then um we tried to get it screened multiple times, and I think we finally got a quote after like how many yes. people came out and looked at it, and then like, never got back to us. Like I, I don't know. I was in contact with maybe six different companies. So we finally got one, one out of six. It's not even that much space. I think I that was the problem. Really? It was too small of a job. Maybe it's like, come on, we but work in real estate. There's many houses that we see, and there's many of people who may need screens. Well, you would think like I don't. I'm not usually here. Like if Pat's doing stuff around the house or whatever, he's usually the one that. That's talking to the person so it's um it's not like I'm I, like I don't care about a discount or anything like that I just I do like people to know that I'm in real estate if I'm interact with them or if Pat has a chance to mention it only because I want them to know like we want good vendors mm-hmm. oh, we and don't care so, about a discount no we care about quality work yep. in yeah and I want to I want to be able to refer good people so if we let them know that like hey we're looking for this project for us but we also are looking for our future and and current clients and people ask all the time for for people who do this kind of work and yet somehow you'll still tell everybody that and yeah. then they still don't send a quote and yeah. it's like well I mean how do these people People are bad at their jobs oh my gosh I'm, I'm in a bad mood today <laughs> well you did have I've to haul this out so I've, thank you yeah well no it's not that I've been running around all day and I'm just like I've woke up uh really early and now I'm ornery I'll try to snap out of it yes you've got to what does ornery mean sorry this is ornery side. yeah I'm called ornery a lot is that a me- bad thing yeah. <laughs> yeah dang it it's not positive yeah you're ornery you're just kind of like short with people and in a foul mood oh 
oh. and kind of bitchy. I'm sorry. That's I don't know. Ornery. Who who has called you ornery? I can't My imagine. Mom. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. Parents parents will do that. <laughs> but I was called ornery. You, the home videos from a kid, at least every single video, at least. Kayla's yeah. happy and ornery. Do you have a scowl on your face? Were you Always. Being a little well, pain? it's just the permanent eyebrows. It's not my fault. Right. <laughs> they, they've always been this big. It's, <laughs> it was not a style thing I chose. It just happened that way. <laughs> Anyways. Kat, you want to tell people what they're listening to? Sure. You're listening to Seeking the Best. This is going to be my best one yet. Um, this is the podcast. <laughs> Actually, oh, no, no, my nope. fail. Cut, the pause. point. <laughs> No, but you're listening to Seeking the Best. This is our podcast where we try to seek out the best in ourselves as realtors and in the real estate profession. I'm Catherine Stelgis, and across from me is my director of operations, very, very far away. Hello. Kayla Boundy. Hello. Hello. <laughs> and then our sound sound engineer slash producer extraordinaire, Patrick. Hello. <laughs> you guys hear that plane? This is this is a uh, Boeing C forty seven or seven forty seven. We live by uh, in a tiny little executive airport. We do not live by the Orlando airport, but that is a big plane coming. It from looks the like Orlando a Boeing. Airport. We always we see are the... in the flight plan. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that's the beauty of sitting outside. Yep. And um, but yeah, speaking of people who don't do a good job with their work, um, you know, we were we had a really difficult. Uh, transaction in over the last week where we had a particularly terrible uh experience with a lender won't say any names nope. <laughs> but um i wish i could nope. uh but no we had a particularly terrible experience with a lender and we were representing the seller and it was a back-to-back transaction and i think somebody had asked a question it was like a question from the web not too long ago about those back-to-back deals and simultaneous closings and we we have we have a couple that were pending and we've had several this year and it does take extra care and coordination. But no matter how good you are and we are at our jobs, because I consider us very qualified, very professional <laughs> skilled, the process, highly skilled, uh, we it, you're relying on other people who if they're not doing their job at a high level can really mess up everything and totally derail your day, which is what happened to me a few days ago. When um, we found out the morning of a closing, morning of that, the buyers were not ready to close, which meant our sellers could not officially close, which means they couldn't officially close on the house they were buying. Luckily, we were able to negotiate with the seller of the house our clients were buying for them to do a uh, pre-occupancy, but those aren't always easy to get. And so we were able to negotiate that, have them move in. And then that lender drug their feet for a whole nother day, a whole day. Um, and we finally got funding and it, it closed, but it really, you know, it just, I love doing those simultaneous closings cause they're fun to like put those pieces together. Didn't that's like, what? <laughs> no, didn't, didn't, wasn't the other deal with that. I don't know. There's, there's so many problems when it comes to lenders that I hear you talk about, but what it wasn't one of the other issues that they said that they were going to close like have everything set like a week before that or something they did have they they were really so we had multiple offers on that transaction and so when you have that you you have options and so one of the things we look at with multiple offers is not just the price you know it depends on the seller right it, it's it's not just the price though for a lot of people especially when they're doing a back-to-back simultaneous closing What's most important is, are we going to close this and are we going to close this on time? Yeah. And so the easiest solution to all of those problems is if you have a cash sale, right? Because <laughs> then once you're through inspections, it's smooth sailing. The cash is already in the bank. 
but that sometimes those aren't the best price offers. And so in this particular situation, you know, we had, we had stronger offers than, um, we did have a few cash, I think, but we had stronger offers. So then it was, okay, what's the strongest offer that also has the highest likelihood of closing. And so you got to talk to the lenders and kind of see like, do they have their stuff together basically? And, they certainly seem to. And I remember her saying that they would, they would be able to close in 25 days. Um, and there we were 50 on day 56. <laughs> yeah. We were 56 <laughs> days in. Um, but asterisk by that 25 days, they meant business days. So something to, to think about, um, minus the holidays learned. within those business minus days. the weekends and holidays. We were still way past that. Our, I mean, we, this was a very long closing, um, and we had specifically set it up that way so that our people, our clients, had plenty of time from once they got their house under contract to actually go out and find something and then still close on that house, too. So for this one, we had them list the house first and yes. then go search for their home? Yes. We didn't. I don't think we looked at anything until their house was under contract. And and the reason is because whatever would have been available, wouldn't they wouldn't have accepted that contingency. Because there would have been too much competition with people who didn't need the contingency. Yeah. Right. This market is too crazy, um, especially in the specific price range and area that they are looking. That if we, that's to me, that's just setting somebody up for disappointment to say, yeah, let's go look at some houses. Unless you're saying it with the intention of like writing an offer that day and go it under contract. Well, that too. But I was going to say, you know, sometimes people want to just kind of see like, okay, what could I get for the price range I'm looking at? without the intention of really buying something and they just want to check it out, make sure they can find a couple houses that would match their needs, that would be okay. But I think it's misleading to let people believe that you can go out, look for something while their house isn't even on the market yet and find something and make an offer. In this market, in our area, that wouldn't work. Especially if it's something that just came... That just came on the market, on, yeah. Versus yeah. something that's been sitting there for 180 days. Mm-hmm. Not that there is anything that sits there for 180 days. No, and if it does, unless, I don't know. Unless what's there's wrong a, unless, with it. yeah, <laughs> right. It's way over, or it's a 1.5 million dollar house. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 So I think I always go in to that listing consultation, telling them like, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to get your house ready for sale first because you need to be ready to go. Then we're going to list your house. Then your house, because the market is the way it is, is going to sell in X number of days. In this particular uh, market right now, it's very short, right? So we can have a house under contract in one week or less. Um, Once your house is under contract, we're going to negotiate a longer closing period than normal so that we can then go spend the next two, three weeks finding you a house. Meanwhile, your buyers are doing their thing. And the buyers are fine with that because they just want their offer accepted so that it's easier to negotiate that right now yeah you you can pretty much negotiate anything right now as a seller within reason i mean you can't get like whatever price you want with but within reason you can say i want to close in 60 days instead of 30 or i want to um, have the ability to uh, move up the closing date or move out the closing date by x number of days if if we need to yep and just just have some flexibility, and um, and so that's that's exactly what we told them was you know we got we're gonna get your house under contract, then we're gonna go look for a house. We did, you know, spent probably two weeks looking for houses, found a house, made an offer, got it accepted, and so much easier to get accepted once you're under contract and you're already through inspections with your buyers. 
Yeah, and, and you can prove that to the the listing agent and have that kind of yeah behind the offer. And then, in, especially if you have like a backup offer, like we did, that mm-hmm. was one of the things we were able to say is we've we've not only got one offer, we have a backup offer and 20, 20, 20 other, other ones <laughs> that would probably jump in if needed, you know. And that gives the the other party, the house that you're buying, that gives that seller confidence that you're going to be closing. Yeah. And so if you make a strong offer and you've got that, you know, kind of cleared, it just gives them more confidence that they can move forward with you. But then you can do all of those things right. And then if there's one person who drops the ball in all of that, then you may not be closing on time, which is what we ran up against. So how do you stop that from happening? <laughs> how, how can we be better in our previous to prevent that from happening again? Well, I think looking back on it, like there's, I know we're seeking the best, right? But I, I think this is the part of the risk of buying and selling at the same time is that not everything might go perfectly yeah. and you have to have contingency plans in place. So we, as soon as we heard that news, you know, we're negotiating a preoccupancy and knowing that, okay, it's only going to be a day, two at the max. And we'll, if we can get them in um, to the house, that really solves their problem. They don't need the money. It's going straight into this house. So really all we're dealing with is the other seller and are they okay with that? And if we can give them confidence that there's no risk, there's nothing that's going to go wrong here. Then, then they'll sign the preoccupancy. And then my backup plan, though, if that wasn't going to work, was I was straight up going to buy them a hotel room. <laughs> I mean, that's you can absolutely go that avenue. But luckily, we had the listing agent and the sellers on that side who were accommodating and understanding, and they didn't occupy the home themselves. So the situation well, that was helped, just yeah. favorable in general. I was, and then, well, that's sometimes you get like a back to back to back. Yes, that was, we had that first, one of the first deals this year, the, it was like three people, our guy, we were selling his, his house, he was buying a house, the sellers of that house were buying a house, the buyers of our house were selling their house, and they had buyers who were buying their house, it was like a whole chain, yeah. It was so. If one thing went wrong, right, and the, and one, everything was done, and, and those lenders are people pick their lenders by whoever gives them the lowest bid. Yeah, well, that's not necessarily who does the best job, right? And so that's that's the. I mean, we've talked about before about, and for all you other realtors out there, if any of you are in Orlando, you should start doing this too. Start making a list <laughs> of who start you don't want to do business with. Of who you don't want to do business with. Well, and, or, and because we've talked about creating, keeping track of what problems exist with all vendors in general so that when you are on the other side of it and say they want to use XYZ lender, you can pull out that list and say, you know, I've worked with XYZ lender three times. Every single time there's been an issue. These are the issues. To kind of, you are supposed to guide people from making mistakes and that's like an angie's list but a no it's a no 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 list yeah (laughs) kind of like the like we because you already give them give them your preferred lenders like these are the people that we know we've worked with well yeah but i've talked to this place and they said they could do it for a half a percent less or what whatever it's like you can pull that piece of paper out and say hmm yeah i've worked with them before three times well and Every ultimately though an you can't you can't choose four people you just no. have to but you can guide them. guide them yeah yeah and ultimately there was no way to know that this particular lender wasn't going to work out they right. they came they know, always talk themselves up in the beginning they, they do yeah you know it's funny too um 
I, I got a review link right after we closed. And so I was like, oh, okay. Did they really send you one? Yeah. I was no. like, okay. Now, I'm always going to write, like, this is just a factual thing. Like, I'm going to give you feedback on how I think you can be better because I want the same for myself, too. And I would hope that somebody would tell me if if I, you know, dropped the ball or I'd probably know and I'd already be beating myself up over yeah. it, right? But um so I offered feedback and it was all just honest things that went wrong that that caused this issue. And it's all always back to communication. And I think that's the most important thing with the um the uh, simultaneous closing is you have to be really on top of systems and communication and make sure that everybody is on the same page at all times because that if not this is this is what yeah can and i think that's where th- things kind of went south for all of this was the communication aspect and paying attention to it in the weeks to follow up like the two weeks prior to closing should, we should have had more solid communication on, on the transaction coordinator's part for that i.e. me well no i think it was i i think or at was. least responses because i have left voicemails and sent well, emails that's the problem that is been you, a flag. Can, you can do all the right things there's only so much you can do yeah you you can call and email and text and do all the right things and if they keep saying we're on track we're mm-hmm. on track we're on track then you have to at some point like believe Say, that they're on track they're like on track. why would we right. think anything else you won't get anything done if you don't do that if you're like, if you second guess everybody about everything. And that's what I do. <laughs> and that's why you're not in transactions, Catherine. <laughs> but no, but that is what I, I never, I'm a skeptic and I, I'm paranoid. <laughs> I need to see the the proof that we are on track. Where is the status? Where are you in the current file right now? Well, screenshot maybe, that. Well, that's something that you could think about. S- send me a screenshot. Well, I mean, where, where it, when they say we're on track, Maybe and I don't know. I don't know how the, all of this works. But is there a follow up question to Are we on when they say yes, we're on track? Yes. Do you have a follow up question? Like I what, think in where, any what do you period mean, of when the you say loan, we're on we track, where where are we or where you know? Can I get more of a, a more than that from you? More information than we're on track? Oh, you know what's the I don't, worst? I don't know. Some some lenders will say that they can't have direct communication with you as the other party's agent. What is it? Line one. Yeah, there's literally. I mean, that's in our contract. In our contract, it specifically says like you, the buyer has signed already signed and authorized anybody to talk about us or to us about where things are at with financing. I've learned that this year. She told me and I, I've sent it to two lenders now. Well, because they, they will fall back on that when they don't want to tell you bad news or yeah, something. No, tell and me. And it's like, I would rather know that we're not going to close on time a week in advance, even if that might be uncomfortable to say, than waiting till the last second. Yeah, because that's where emotions come in be- a little bit more is the last minute because people plan and prepare. When you have a week to plan and prepare, it's a little less emotional when you find out well, I still well, sure you always want to be let down easy, and it's like we always say, like when you go into the re- the busy restaurant, if the server doesn't make contact with you, at least and, a hello, and nothing at all, and you sit there, it's, it doesn't take long before you're really angry. But if they come over and they say, "Look, the kitchen's really weeded, and it's going to be a while before your food is out. It could take you know twenty, thirty minutes before it." Then it's like, okay, well now I can decide whether or not what I want to do. Yeah. Right. But if you just sit there and let me stew, it 
takes one tenth of that amount of time for me to get upset. And then I'm going to be really angry. Well, and then what made it worse and not to dwell on this particular transaction, but once we had the news that, okay, things were not going to close on time, I specifically asked for an update. I wanted an update like a couple times during that day. And then I did not get one. And then I called, um, later in the evening and said, I, I haven't heard anything. Um, and she said that they were still working because they're on different different time zone, right? Other so, coast. Other yeah. coast, yeah. And that they would they would still be working on it for the next three hours and they'd have an update. And I was I, I specifically said, Okay, so you're going to update me tonight before I go to sleep on what the status is. Yes. She said, Did not she said nothing. Yes. Yes. nothing. Had to call the next morning and say, Well, here we are. I did not get an update. That's the kind of stuff that drives me crazy. And it's probably like it's my little moral code or whatever. But yeah, it's like do what you say what you're going to do in the time that you say you're going to do it. And if you can't do that, then you know what? You should just go find another job. <laughs> or be honest about it. Just be just be upfront. Or you could. You anything could. that you do. Look, we're all, I know yeah, people. She could, have said, she could have said, I think it's going to go through. But as you know, or what, as you know, I go home at six. It's like. <laughs> and then I'd be like, well. You're gonna need to stay up late. Right. And actually, I <laughs> talked to. Didn't say that. I talked to another uh, lender um, that was involved, and uh, she was she was like, "I've been working till like midnight every night right now because it's crazy out. Yeah. So you don't just not do your job. You just either either your office needs to hire more people. You got to prioritize, or you're gonna have to stay up late sometimes. Right. Like, well, it's like that's the thing with real estate is person, that we don't clock out. Mm-hmm. I wish I wish we could, and we can set boundaries. But yeah. there's a difference between setting boundaries. Now oh, I'm on a rant now. Um, there's a difference between setting boundaries that like I I'd check voicemail after this time or or before this time, and then I'll call you back the next day if it's if it's not an emergency. Well, somebody closing that that is the the final deadline. That is an emergency. I mean, they're yeah. going to be homeless if you don't get yeah. this straight. Sometimes, right? So, anyways, there lots of things can come up. So that's why well, it's it so you, important. It makes <laughs> it makes you wonder, like, and how many other deals the day before, the day before that, the day after, like how how many times a day does that happen in that office? And does the manager know, the person running that office, know that that's the case? And if they do know, does the does corporate know if it's a, a franchise or a chain under an, under you know, some name or something like that? And it's like there are people that know that that is happening and they are just allowing it to happen. And that's that's the terror. That's bad business. Like they should know that they need more people. And they do know that they need more people because they're seeing that stuff isn't closing when it's supposed to. Yeah. And they're just not hiring anybody. Yeah. Or and, or pay or, attention to the or feedback you, forms. Or, or right. Or you didn't get a phone call from a manager saying, We are so sorry that this happened, blah, blah, blah. Just nothing at all. Just no, I got on. an I got an automated email. <laughs> right. That's and that's that's what I mean. And and so because of that, it's like I think I'm very strong about this idea of creating a list of <laughs> Did these the people. automated email say I'm sorry in it? It is. <laughs> we're so, we're sorry that you had a bad experience oh, because, on your recent transaction because I because you because put you star rating because you did a star rating. Yeah, yeah. it's a nice but, system that you have for the follow but see, up you, on the star. You shouldn't have case. to even do this the 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 rating. They should have said, "Oh, these people were supposed to close." Wait, this is messed up. This was already supposed to happen. Let me get on the phone and call and smooth things over. But there was nobody to do that to smooth things over to make sure it was okay. 
And in my book, they're done. done. Yeah. Like uh, I, if I had a buyer that wanted to use them as a lender, I would do everything in my power to make sure that they weren't using them as a lender. Yeah. Whatever horror story I had to tell them <laughs> to make them not use that lender, that's what I would do. Well, I think it's just, again, it's about guiding people. And if you have had a bad experience, just, I mean, it's fair to let people know because that could happen again. It's not always, but I did happen to... um. Right, but don't you think that it, it, if if it wasn't always that you would have gotten a phone call that would try well, to smooth over? This never happens. We're so sorry. Well, that's but why the you fact can that go, you got nothing. You no. can go look at the rest of the reviews, and I'm not the first person to write something like that. Right, and and then that's why you know. Well, you didn't get a phone call because that's not they don't they obviously don't care. Yeah, and that was the, the I think that's what I wrote in the review. It felt like no one cared. That we had people that were waiting to close and were needed that money to close on another house. And um, I also hate when people tell me, uh, like, oh, I didn't know that. And it's like, well, we have told you multiple times. Yes, you did. So you knew you're just trying to make up an excuse. Stop it. Well, we have gotten way onto a rant. No, Sorry, but it's all part of the importance of simultaneous I, I closings. Pull, I pulled you into my foul <laughs> mood. Yeah. Importance no, of simultaneous closings is, did I say that right? Simultaneous? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is communication and being as proactive as possible. And you've got to have people, the biggest part is how the clients have to understand the position that they're in, is in, in the market that they're in. Because it's not always like this where they have to get their house on the market first. But most of the time, like this is a particularly difficult time to get a contingency accepted. Yeah. But most of the time, it's still like you're still showing up with an extra step, an extra risk for the next party. And if you put yourself in their shoes, you'd feel the same way. You'd rather take someone who didn't have that. It makes sense. So making sure that the clients understand that if you want to use the money from that sale and you don't want to move twice, right? Because that's the alternative. You could go, you could sell your house, take your money, put it into your bank, go rent for a couple weeks or a month, just find a temporary housing situation and then find a place to buy. That would be the easiest thing, but people don't want to move twice. No. They never do. That's the comfort of it. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I mean, well, that makes a, sense. I don't want to yeah. move this house twice if we ever move. Right. But all these plants you have to move. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but I think, and I don't, I, do, do you move twice? I mean, you just you, keep it all in the truck? Well, you, you I mean, yeah, you, you, you don't get do U haul at that point. You get a mover that can store the, the, the truck and then you Airbnb and then you don't worry about your couch and TV and all the rest until you find a place. At least now, in 2020 and and technology that airbnb is a thing like 10 years ago you couldn't even do that you'd be staying in a hotel room with three kids you know like well that can get expensive though i think that's why most of the time people choose not to do that they they just want to make it all happen together is because first of all they would rather just be done all at once and then it also can get pretty pricey if you have to store an entire house of stuff for at least a month right because you need if you're going to do that scenario so that's that's option one option one is sell your house take your money close move into temporary housing and then go find the right place for you which could take a month or two Mm -hmm. um and then close on that one the beauty of that path is that you, you can take your time. Take you can take your time to find the next place. You don't feel that pressure and rushed. The downside is the cost because mm-hmm. you've got cost to store, cost to rent, 
all of those things are eating into that equity right. that you cashed out. You're not making a mortgage payment. Well, you're making a rent payment. I know, that's but probably it's probably more it, than your mortgage. It, may, it might be more than the mortgage payment, but I get, guess that it's you're not doing both. You're not. It's not like you're you're yeah. just burning money. You're we're paying two mortgages or anything like that. Yeah, but short term rentals are a lot more expensive than yeah. what most people's mortgage are. Yeah, or mortgage is. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, um, let's take a break and then we can talk about the other paths. Okay. All right. Let's maybe. take a break. And we're back from our outside backyard a wine break makeshift <laughs> studio cheers and wine break <laughs> well it's evening yep the sun's start getting ready to set well i was saying before we went to break the option one where you're buying and then where you're selling and then <laughs> you're finding temporary housing temporary housing buy. yes gotcha. which that no i don't think anyone has oh no yep. one person well we had one, but they purchased a new construction. Yeah, we, we've had people. I, I was kind of exaggerating. We've had people who've chosen that option, but it's few and far between. So that is the ideal scenario, I think. Well, let me tell you. Actually, option number two is the ideal scenario. That's where people have the ability, the funds available to purchase house number two without selling their first house. Not that they don't want to. They want to sell that and we're going to sell it, but they don't need to. They can get pre-approved. They have their down payment. They can buy house number two. We don't have to include the contingency. Nobody even knows that they need to sell, but we still list that one as soon as they're under contract on their new one. What are some ways that people might not, you know, has it ever happened where a buyer never even thought about doing that before? And you're like, well, do you have this or do you have that? Or we could figure this out. Like, have you ever, like, what are some of the tricks that maybe buyers aren't going to bring to the table? If you're a newer agent and, um, and the, what can you kind of, you know Yeah, it depends. Yeah, I totally do. I, it, I think it depends on the sales price because it will depend on the down payment. So oftentimes people can borrow against their 401k. It depends on their 401k, of course. But if they can borrow against their 401k or some sort of retirement account that they have and then repay it back within a certain amount of time without penalty, then that's a good option for that because then we can go out, find their new house. Again, we're still going to sell their other house and they're going to get the money from that. So they'll be able to put the money right back in. They'll be able to put the money right back in. So that's that's a really good option for people. There's also bridge loans. Um, they they used to call them that. Then they totally disappeared because it's a risk for a lender to take on a loan like that because there's the risk that their house doesn't sell. But it's coming back into fashion, we'll call it, <laughs> real estate fashion, where there are lenders who are now offering that kind of bridge loan, which basically means that they're they're able to buy that that next house and take almost like a second mortgage is essentially what it is a second mortgage to pay the down payment for the first mortgage and then as soon as they close on house number one their their old house then they just are able to pay off that bridge loan so that is another ideal solution but again they have to be able to qualify for that meaning that their debt to income ratio has to work. They have to be able to qualify for the bridge loan, the next mortgage and their current mortgage and and whatever other debt they have with their income. So that one's harder to to work 
um, unless people, you know, are have a lot of income and uh, low debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So most people, I would assume, are neither one of those. Yeah. Well, most people uh, fall into whatever one and option three, three likely plan three, whatever that is. Going yeah. To be. Yeah. Plan three. Well, so on that one, I'll say. Those are those are the those are actually maybe the best, right? We just closed one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I said this year was going to be the year for simultaneous closings and like selling really and buying is. because it's like four this year so far. I don't know. It feels like ten. <laughs> well, it's because it's both sides of the. I think it actually is five. Now that I'm thinking about it, so, five or six so now. That's ten deals. Yeah. yeah. So. Dang. <laughs> so I, I the the thing with that is um yeah that's a small percentage of people that can do that scenario but what's really nice about that is then they, they there's no stress they can go out they go find the house that they want we make an offer they have no contingency to sell their current home they they can actually then they can decide how quickly they want to put their house on the market so most of the time we list it right away like or at least um, maybe they get their inspections done, make sure they're moving forward on the house they're buying, and then we list their house uh, just to make sure that's a set deal. So there's there's a lot of uh, positives about that, but most people can't do that. So then that leaves us with option number three, which is what we kind of talked about earlier, which is where you buy and sell at the same time. You close on the same day. You run around like a crazy person, like pack up your U-Haul. <laughs> nobody sees it. Nobody senses it either. <laughs> well, yeah, we that's what we try to do is make it them not feel that stress. Like that was the, the, and in that scenario, I've got my, my perfect little plan, um, where I'll, here, I'll get it out. <laughs> somebody, somebody so, fill somebody time. Fill time. <laughs> well, I think overall with the one that was a hot mess recently, the clients did not sense anything that was going on behind the scenes at all. Oh, that's what you want. That's yeah. the goal. It's part of just Realtor the guidance. Life. And <laughs> you know how much I hate that. I know. Hashtag realtor life. We, well, but we, we absorb that, which is why I have anxiety and I'm stressed all the time. No. <laughs> Drinking wine right now. <laughs> Drinking wine. But we do. I, you want to absorb that as much as possible while still being realistic with them. Like I would never want to um, take it on so much so that they don't even know what's going on. Right. Because then if it doesn't if it, work out, right. something starts you to dump not it work, all on then, them. Yeah, like, then they're, they're confused. Like, yeah, well, then, keep, then all of a sudden you're the person in, yeah. who didn't tell them right. until closing day. You got to keep them in the loop. Yeah. But you've got to. You come keep with solutions. Pretty. Yeah. Keep you it pretty. Call, you call them up and you say, here's what's going on. And here's what we're doing about it. Yeah. And if you don't have a solution, then maybe hold on a second before you call, make that call. Yeah. Right. Unless, unless you really, again, don't, it, and that's don't just, be that person that waits till the last minute. That's good advice in general. Don't For call sure. your client and, and tell them some horror story of what's happening. Call your client, tell them what's happening. And this, then this is how we're going to solve it. Yeah. Always have a solve when you're calling with yeah. anything in life just I know, always pe- try to find a solution but people, before freaking out about people it people f- freak out and they make the call and they 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 re- it's real quick and and they don't re- um, they make a decision really quickly and and that happens a lot I've, I've been on that receiving end of that and stuff so that's just good advice in general always have a solution before you call or have multiple solutions so they can pick one yeah well you always tell me you tell me not to do that actually <laughs> well, yeah. I, get, I give people too many. Too many you can't options. give too many. I think there's scenarios. I said, I said two. I didn't say seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, so but here's the the, the eight week plan to move door to door. 
This is the perfect plan. The I've crafted perfect it. plan. <laughs> uh, as long as everybody's on the same page, this is the buy sell simultaneous perfect plan. Week one, what happens? Write this down, people. Week one, seller's house goes on the market. No. Damn it. Okay, <laughs> next. Okay. We, week one, we're going to sign the listing paperwork. Same thing. We're going to assess, we're, well, we're going to meet with them for a consultation, ass- assess their net proceeds to see and get them pre approved for the new house to see exactly what they can afford and what their down payment looks like. Because sometimes people decide not to put all of that money into the house and sometimes they do. So just trying to kind of make those decisions right up front so you know exactly what the loan they're going to be doing for the new house. If you have your listing paperwork signed because you're about to start working on their behalf and then you're going to um, basically give them a list of what needs to happen to get the house ready. Deep clean, any kind of staging, that kind of stuff happens in week one. Then by the end of week one, we're taking the photos. We're getting that listing live. Boom. Week two. We're showing the property. Getting all the buzz out. Open house. <laughs> Open house. Any major marketing pushes that we're doing. And usually, so that's week two and week three. Depending on the market, though, like if it's priced well, um, in this market, it would be under contract probably in week one, or I should say week two, right? Yeah. Week one is cleaning stage and getting it ready. Week two is first week on the market. You, If if it's not quite under the contract by week one, again, you might need to adjust the price. Maybe you got the price wrong or something like that. Week three, though, you should be under contract. Um, then week four and five, you're now under contract. You're going to go hit the ground running with, the buy- with your clients who are now buyers. Do you wait until... You do it as soon as it goes under contract, not through inspections because people can withdraw and whatnot. Or what do you do? Yeah. So I usually go ahead and and start showing them properties as soon as their house is under contract. Just to get a jump. To get a jump start because they're, first of all, they're excited. I don't think you could hold them back from doing that. (laughs) (laughs) They would be out looking at houses without you. They're excited. They want to find something. And then also you just have to know what that timing looks like. So you want to shorten the inspection period on the house they're selling to as short as what's reasonable for the market conditions. So right now, like um, we, you know, probably about seven days, but sometimes people are doing five or something like that. So in those first, the first week, let's call it. So week four, we're out looking at houses. We can make offers. It's contingent upon the sale of their house, but at least we know we're um, through we, X. We at least know we're under contract. Uh, if we go into week five and we still haven't found their house, we're still searching for houses, and they're our top priority, right? They're they're under contract. They're going to be homeless if they don't find something. Like we're out whatever it takes finding them a house. So then. If it's week five, they're probably through inspections on their house. That's like the sweet spot, I think, to get their new offer accepted because now they're through inspections on the house that they're selling. And so you can go in, write the offer contingent upon the sale of that house and explain to the other parties, um, yes, we have this extra contingency, but we're already through inspections and we're good to go. Um, Then, well, week six, you're under contract on your new house. (laughs) Um, actually probably week five, you are realistically, um, just depending on how quickly you find that home in time frame. Yeah. And then week six, you're, you're doing your inspections, um, finalizing that you probably are going to have to shorten the appraisal period a little bit on your house, the new, well, both of them ideally, just to make sure you're through those, those big hurdles. And then, so by the end of week six, you're through the appraisal on the new house and it's smooth sailing. Now you're 
figuring out finance, figuring out, um, yeah, you're getting your loan commitment. You're figuring out when you're going to move. So you've got two weeks left to plan your move, get your moving, your, your movers situated, making sure that, you know, when we're doing the walkthrough, when we're doing the closing so that you can plan that because realistically you're supposed to be out in our state. Anyways, you're supposed to be out of the house on the day of closing so that the buyers can see it free and clear of all your belongings. That doesn't always work when you're doing a simultaneous closing, but you want to have all the big stuff out of the way because buyers are coming in looking at, I feel like I'm talking to sellers right now, (laughs) but like buyers, when they come to do their walkthrough, they need to be able to see the walls and the appliances and all of the stuff that stays with the house. They need to not be afraid that the house is going to be a mess when they show up with their truck. Yes. They need to be able to walk in and go, okay, that's just a few boxes. They're going to come get those. And then everything else is spotless. There's no major hole behind the couch or the TV that was up. Well, that's true too. (laughs) I would be more concerned with like, oh, there's lots of little things floating around all over and there's stuff in every little room. And are they going to get all of this out of here by the time the U-Haul shows up? Or are we going to have to wait for them? Because yeah. Yeah. that's the last thing I want to have do is be sitting in my brand new driveway with my U-Haul waiting for the sellers to still move their stuff Oh, out. man. Let me tell you. I would lose <laughs> my mind. Try eight hours of sitting in front of the <laughs> Well, I, so I, I skipped some, one thing. I, I, I always tell people when you're on that kind of time crunch, um, when we go look at houses, they should pick their first option and we should make an offer on that, but they should really have a backup option of a house that they like that, that meets all their criteria. Usually there's at least one or two out of five to seven that, that work and that they like, they just, in that way, if the first one doesn't get accepted, we can just immediately go to the next one. So I forgot that part. Um, but, but then yes. So now you're, you're finishing packing in week seven you're scheduling the utilities to be turned on at the new house, to be turned off at the old house. Um, and then week eight, we're, we're on our end. You know, it's our job to make sure that it happens at the same time, right? So we're working with title companies to make sure the funds from the closing of the sale of the house go straight to the next title company. So ideally, you close in the morning on the house you're selling, like 9.30, 10 a.m., that money, then the buyers need to sign that day too. Like they need to sign early in the morning. 10 a.m. Yeah. latest. You've got to make sure your buyers close early and then um, sign on the next house at like 1 p.m., maybe 12. And that gives you time to finish the buyer signing, have the wire transferred to the other title company, drive to the other title company. <laughs> so drive to your house first, do the final walkthrough, and then <laughs> right, go to the title right, right. company. And then, and then when you get there, you sign your paperwork, the money has arrived, and you're done. Yeah. And Ideally. 99.999% of the time, that's what we do. Yeah. It happens. It really does. I, we don't ever really have the the headaches that we had recently. It's just we banged our head so much against the wall to get communication from people who weren't caring enough to do their job appropriately. Yeah. The, the last one that we had, um, well, we, we've had, like we said, we've had quite a few this year, and uh, we've got one right now where she bought she had the ability to buy. So she's moved into that this house. This one's been magical. It's magical <laughs> it when is. when they have the ability to do that. Um, it's magical because the lenders are having issues on their end as well. But it's not that much of a dilemma for our clients. So it's not going to be right. that much if for some reason, a situation. If you've already bought your house and you're moved in and the, the closing on the house you're selling delays a day, no big deal. Because yeah. you're already moved in. You're happy. 
you you just want your money to put it back into your 401k or your savings account or wherever you you took that down payment from, but you don't care if it's a day late. Most people. I mean, there's some people who will care and, and pitch a uh, fit about it, but <laughs> it's magical because our client itself, she, she's not concerned she's about the money getting to her bank account. She's and her name she's is. Satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give her a plug. I'm just kidding. <laughs> She uh, wouldn't care. Let's take a quick break. Okay. The Think Look B team is an Orlando-based real estate team with Keller Williams Realty at the Parks. We operate as a boutique-style company with the resources of the largest real estate company behind us. Think Look B is looking for talented people like you to join our team. If you happen to live in the Orlando area and you're a detail-oriented quick learner, then we might have a place for you. Whether you're a real estate agent or administrative professional, we are looking for individuals who are ready to work hard and ready for success. If you're ready to join the team, visit us at thinklivebee.com. And we're back. Welcome. Welcome. So the sun is setting. Now it's it's, it's right in your eyes. eyes. <laughs> I can it's see it. Glistening. It's awesome. <laughs> I can still see the uh, screen though. So well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I'll wrap this up for you. You can't wait. No, I can wait. <laughs> um, well, I was just going to say a cu- couple tips that I have found work really well is to obviously we talked about the lenders. And, and so if you can, you know, express the importance to your clients about working with your preferred vendors, at least, you know, on their side. So for the, you know, if they're buying the lender that you recommend and the title company that you recommend on the sale of their house, if they at least work with those two parties, then you know, that, and they're your preferred vendors, then you at least know that that stuff is going to go well. Yeah. You, so, you know how the communication style is. So then you're really only worried about the other party's lender, right? That's really the only, and then I guess the title company for the the buy side, but. Yeah, but usually you can kind of. Um, that's usually that not too bad. Figured out in the beginning, kind of understand that this happens often, so you should be able to do this just fine, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but getting them to work with your preferred vendors, I think, is the the key to a successful deal um, when it comes to back to back. Well, probably everything, but um, but you can't force them to. You just it's just a guide thing. It comes back to me, that initial meeting. For me, it's like a buying appointment and a listing appointment. We're going to talk about really just the entire process and what they need to be prepared for and all the the pitfalls that could happen and just get set up those expectations and then go into, and that's why it's so important to work with people that we know can get this done. And then also, I think that it's a really good idea to, um, to close on a Thursday because, and then take the weekend, take a Friday off in general, like take, take a long weekend because if you close on a Thursday and there is a delay for some reason, at least you've got Friday versus closing on Friday and, and then to wait because Monday. people want to move on the weekend, which makes sense. They want to unpack their house. They just double moved. They want to get everything set up. So they want to do it over a weekend. But if you set a closing on a Friday, you're setting yourself up for a, a challenge because if for some reason the buyers on the sale don't close on time, even if they close same day, but they don't close early enough in the day, then the wire might not have gone through until the next morning, which means Monday. 
because then you're going into the weekend. So our sellers don't have a home for an entire weekend. Yeah, unless you can negotiate some kind of pre-occupancy. But so to avoid that, just make sure you're not setting a closing date on a Friday for a simultaneous close. It's just setting it up for failure. You can do it at any point between Monday and Thursday. I just know people like to move. They want to take off work. They don't want to take off work. They want to move on the weekend. So if you set it up for Thursday, then they only have to take off maybe Thursday, Friday or half day on Thursday and, and Friday um, versus like a couple days during the week. So that those are those are some of my That's my tips. I think just in general, closing alone on Friday is always let's close in the morning so we make sure that the funds can happen and we actually close. Yeah. Not wait till four fifty eight PM to yeah. finalize everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Okay. Cool. That's that's my eight week plan. Well, you guys wanna it works every time. You guys wanna do something? You wanna do a game? Let's have some okay. fun. <laughs> Okay, should I watch that? <laughs> this is made for Kayla. Let's do it. Um, so the tally right now, Catherine has two wins. Kayla has one win. I've got one on the board, guys. Okay. All right, you guys know how to play this game. I'm going to give you a movie, and you try to guess the Rotten Tomato score. Yes. Do it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In 1985, moving from the Chicago music scene to St. Petersburg, Florida, a tall, lanky guitar player created the, b- the band The Marked. Not finding the success he was hoping for, he moved back to Chicago and started the band The Smashing Pumpkins. Billy Corgan integrated psychedelic rock and heavy metal into their sound, having a multi- multi-platinum debut album, Gish, and multiple hits on their second album, Siamese Dream. Their third double album, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, was more successful, spawning a string of hit singles, including Tonight Tonight. The video was a masterpiece, directed by Jonathan Dayton. The video begins with a group of people celebrating the launch of a Zeppelin on its way to the moon. A man kisses a woman's hand as they enter the Zeppelin, which, was he- which is held to the ground by people dressed as sailors using rope. The Zeppelin approaches the moon, which has a face resembling the moon's face in the 1902 film A Trip to the Moon. This 1902 French adventure short film was directed by George Malaise and was named one of the 100 greatest films of the 20th century. Six years earlier, in 1896, George Malaise created the film The Haunted Castle, using the most cutting-edge special effects of its day, with people appearing and disappearing in clouds of smoke and bats suddenly taking human form. This film is considered the very first horror film. By today's standard, it's not scary at all, and it almost seems comical. Today's Should I Watch That theme is lighthearted horror. Oh, <laughs> Wait, before we get into it, can I ask Kayla a question? Yeah. Do you ever listen to the Smashing Pumpkins? I've heard of them. I don't, You've I couldn't, <laughs> I could probably tell you a song if you played it for me. Yeah, you would know them. What's Blue October? It. Is that a band? Or is that a song? Blue October? It's a song and not the Smashing Pumpkins. Okay. <laughs> nope. Yeah, I just, I'm not sure. Melancholy and Sadness, that sounds, that sounds right up my alley. I like that. So, <sighs> well, uh, I make you a mixtape. I were gonna like, make you. A you like, can make I, don't, I don't know what a Spotify playlist. I guess. Um, so now the sun's now not in my eyes anymore, which is good. And, and we're sitting outside, and we're gonna talk about spooky horror movies right, uh, right before it. Halloween. A mosquito fun, bite. Fun. Okay. 
In this 2012 film directed by Drew Goddard and written by Joss Whedon and Goddard, five college friends arrive at a remote forest cabin for a little vacation. Starring Chris Hemsworth, Richard Jenkins, Bradley Whitford, and Sigourney Weaver, what is the tomato meter score for Cabin in the Woods? What what happened? I've seen that movie. Oh, you're jumping up and down because you've seen it? Yeah. Congratulations. Well, at first I was putting my glass away, but oh. also I knew it before you even said to go to go in your we just, I love her. We we just watched it again. Mm-hmm. That's Recently. what made me th- that's what kind of gave me gave me this idea to I should rewatch it cuz from my memory it's a stupid movie. It ended it, stupidly for it's, me. It's um it's a very great movie. <laughs> You're insane. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um and I, I think, think it ended in a way that I didn't want it to end, so that's pro- why it's stupid. It, yeah, it probably did end in a way that you wouldn't want it to end. That's what makes it good. Yeah. Um, the uh, it uh, it's and it's free on Amazon Prime. Really? Right now. Yeah. Oh, I have Amazon Prime. So I'll watch it, it again. Are so you going what first is or am I going first? Tomato meter score. Um, I'm gonna say, is it critic or audience? Tomato meter is like a combination. To- right? to- no, tomato meter is critic score. Critic. Mm. Okay. I'm gonna say 87. Because it's pretty. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, great movie. Um, Joss Whedon. And I I would assume that people gave it high marks. So I'm going to say 92. This is the first time it's ever happened. Oh, no. Did I get it on the nose? Catherine <gasps> got it on the she nose. She got it on the nose. Double high five. Distant high five. Double, <laughs> double points for oh, Catherine. 92 yes. on the nose. Awesome. Still, good job. I wish there was like a prize for that. You did. You got double points. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I guess I'll do. Oh. <laughs> These points mean nothing. I know. <laughs> okay, question number two. Meek flower shop assistant Seymour pines for coworker uh, Audrey. During a total eclipse, he discovers an unusual plant named Audrey Two, which feeds only human f- on only human flesh and blood. What? The growing plant attracts a great deal of business for the previously struggling store. After Seymour feeds Audrey feeds Audrey's boyfriend Oren to the plant, I you know um, just real quick, I just copied these summaries. You I, should have read I did them not, first. I did not read them first. <laughs> I was too busy writing the the first part and stuff. So uh, this yeah. person can't so write. I, yeah. So anyway, so uh, Seymour feeds the plant feeds the boyfriend to the plant, and the plant gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and. Um, it uh, ends up going after Audrey. Yeah. Do you guys know the movie? <laughs> yeah. She doesn't. She's looking at me like a, like she has no idea. I'm, what I'm waiting for the about. answer to come up. It's Little Shop of Horrors. Little Shop. Oh no, I haven't seen that. But I've oh. done. Um, there was a video game testing, that. and that was one of the go watch that movie examples How? to. Little hop of shit. People listening, can you even believe this? Go watch that movie, you know, Little movie? Shop of Horrors. Yeah, okay, go I'll watch, watch that. that one. That and the Puppet oh Master, I have to see. No, still. The, no, the Puppet Master. That's garbage. Go watch <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors. It's a wonderful. Is it with film. an older man and an older witch inside of? No, no, dang it, different. Movie. No, it's Rick Moranis from Ghostbusters <laughs> and okay. Honey I Shrunk the Kids, yeah. and it's a musical. Well, that's probably why I haven't watched it. No, you'll love it. <laughs> believe me, I'll try it. Okay. A hundred. 100,000 school plays could not be wrong. They've all, <laughs> every school has done it. Okay, tomato meter score? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Little, sh- what is it called? Little Shop of Horrors. You want me to go first? I'm going to say 74. Okay. Catherine? I'm going to say 87. 
the tomato score is 90%. Oh, man. I almost said 90%. And this so is a, a good one. I guess we picked the perfect name for this game. Should I watch that? <laughs> and I should watch that. And it's Kayla. Yes, you should watch that. Should watch it. I'll watch it. Especially what was the first now? one? Well, Cabin in the Woods, you can uh, watch that again. I want to watch but, that again, but, but you, I want to watch this one. Yeah, watch watch a little shuffle. If Wars. if for no other reason, Chris Hemworth is in it. Oh, uh, right. before he I was don't famous. like muscles. But you can't even get me with he that. Wasn't that. That's big. a beautiful man. He, he, <laughs> and he wasn't that big yet. He was still. He he was. He, 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 he looks scrawny and nerdyish. No, I'm, I'm just. No, I'm he's so a, he's a hunk. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey is my only winner. Okay, question number three. After a virus turns most people into zombies, the world's surviving humans remain locked in an ongoing battle against the hungry undead. Four survivors, Tallahassee and his cohorts Columbus, Wichita, and Little Rock, abide by a list of survival rules and zombie-killing strategies as they make their way toward a rumored safe haven in Los Angeles. What is the tomato meter score for Zombieland? What? Zombieland was a great movie. It was It was, it was funny. <laughs> I'm going to give it a 64. She wants, to, she wants to watch Puppet Master. Somebody told her, did somebody tell you to watch that? No, it just looks scary, and I've oh. always been scared to watch it. <laughs> okay. Uh, what did you guess? 64? 64, yeah. Okay, I'm going to guess um, 89. Really? For the second time in a row. Oh, my god! Are you kidding me? I'm setting records. Catherine, You're just out. Catherine got it right You're on. You're out of this world. Right on the button. So that's twice. That's So you're at like, what, five? I've just won it all. She's just won. <laughs> and Kayla needs to watch more movies. <laughs> I didn't like Zombieland, though. That was so much fun. Really? What didn't you like about I don't, it? It just seemed corny to me. Maybe it's just the zombies that I didn't like. Do you watch any other zombie stuff? Do you watch The Walking Dead or anything? Mm-mm, I didn't like Walking Dead. Why is it too scary? No, I just didn't like the zombies. They're too corny. You just you punched them in the face. Corny. It's just like I don't real think, dead people. I don't think that I word think means more, what you think it means. I think I'm just more tougher than some of the people in the movies. More tougher is not a word. It's not. <laughs> Anyways, next. Okay, question four. <laughs> Wes Craven reinvented and revitalized the slasher horror genre with this modern horror classic, which manages to be funny, clever, and scary as a fright mask knife maniac stalks high school students in middle-class suburbia. What is the Rotten Tomato score for Scream? Have you seen this, Kayla? Yeah. Okay. I like Scream. <laughs> They're supposed to be doing a new one. I saw that. Yeah. I don't, you know I don't one? know if COVID, I think COVID might have pushed it back, but like with... Like the original. The same original. people, no, really? Well, people who survived, yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, you can't come back from the dead, not that one. I'm going to say a 93. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to say, oh, man, 91. The Rotten Tomato come score come on, come on. is 78. No, oh, are you kidding me? Really? Yes, so Catherine got that one, too. Huh? <laughs> oh my god this is a massacre it really perfect is. for Halloween <laughs> okay last one just for fun in this 1992 American comedy horror film starring Christy, Christy Swanson Donald Sutherland, Paul Rubens Rutger Hauer, Luke Perry and Hilary Swank Luke it Perry. follows valley girl cheerleader named Buffy who learns that it's her fate to hunt vampires what is the tomato meter score for the film Buffy the Vampire Slayer the film version the film version Yes. 71. It's 1992. Yes. Um, it's been a long time since I've seen 
I love me some Buffy TV show. Um, I'm gonna say Joss Whedon wrote this. Okay, he always he, but he did not hints. he did not direct it. Okay, he did not direct it. He the director wrote, always has the last call. The writers are just <laughs> yeah. That's the Kuz, Kuzu what. I, you, the producers of the TL television show, their names are oh, Franz and something Kuzu mm. or whatever. Mm. They they directed it. Okay. Hmm. I said 71. I know. Okay. I'm going to say 79. And what did you say, Kayla? 71. So this came in as a stinker at 35. I don't remember wow. the movie. It's bad. Yeah. There's, I don't there's, it. there's one really good scene where Paul Rubens as a vampire dies and takes a really long does this very oh that's right i remember that scene which is very very funny and it's one of the first things he did after like peewee and stuff so that was cool that's that's cool but the movie itself is not very good i I think i like more of the thriller movies where it makes you think and suspense and then it's like a twist at the end i like those kind of movies (laughs) pat straight up cut you off (laughs) it's a twist at the end Nope. Sorry. <laughs> Hashtag fail. Podcast that was, an, fail. that was an accident. I can cut that out. So now all these people listening have no idea what just happened. Okay. Well, don't don't include hashtag podcast fail. <laughs> okay. Let's start now. No. <laughs> no, right now. Right now. <laughs> no, I'm just going to leave it all in. <laughs> just leave it. I, I'm leaving it all in. <laughs> okay. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. So don't see that one. Buffy. Do not see. Don't watch, watch the movie. I gotta watch the, watch the shows. I do show. want to watch the shows because it's Sarah. It's a big investment. Sarah Ma- Michelle Geller. Geller. Yeah. I like her. And then you She's can from go. Then once you watch that, then you go on and you watch Angel, which is another five seasons. Angel of the, it's the spinoff. Oh. Of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Have you guys watched Supernatural? What are your vibes on that? Love it's it. good stuff. Do you love it? Okay, good. I that's like fun. it too. Yeah, okay, that's yeah. fun stuff. I, Those I, two are fun. They yeah. are. I love Sam and Dean. And we're, we're waiting Dean's for the. So cute. We're waiting for the last six season. My sister owns all the last series. Ha- half half of the last season hasn't come out yet. No, I stopped at I think eleven or twelve. I know it's crazy. It's an investment in time it if is. you're trying it to took, watch. We, that it from took the us start. like six months <laughs> to watch the whole thing, like every night, watching it every single night while we eat dinner. <laughs> while we eat, like six months of of oh. of solid su- supernatural. <laughs> in the beginning of that, it, it's kind of the first episode. There's still first few episodes. They're finding their feet, but by the time you hit season two, oh yeah, they're they're off and running, yeah. and it's good stories up until forever and for anybody listening to this you're wondering what does this have to do with real estate nothing nothing we just like to have decompress (laughs) yes everyone should decompress a little bit right (laughs) maybe Small win. I don't have anything. Catherine doesn't have a small win. Well, I totally forgot we do this thing. You can't. We do it every single time. This is like a, almost our 50th episode. I'm going. My small win is I shot fact my car. I cleaned the interior of my car. Is that the first time you've cleaned it since ever, you bought it? Ever. Ever. I've ever cleaned my car oh, on the interior. Of all cars. Of all cars. Monte Carlo, Aveo, the Jetta. This is the first car I've ever cleaned. I think some of those other cars might have fallen apart if you tried to clean them too good. I yeah. think the dirt was holding them together. The Monte Carlo for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I really don't have one. I can't think of anything. You closed two families. You know how happy that family was to oh, they be were, in their home? 
Yeah, we got a really nice email. That was a, it. It does. It it did come. We we got a really nice testimonial from someone else and a nice email on a day where I really needed to read that. <laughs> Sometimes it feels good to hear what people. You know, you want people to have a good experience. So when they actually express that, it's it's a really nice feeling. Yeah, when they go out of their way. Yeah. When you're not asking for it. Yeah, we just, asked for the testimonial, but the email was. I did not ask right. It was personal. <laughs> no. That yeah. was a personal. That was thing. awesome. Did not tell them to do that, but yes, it was very nice. Very cool. Made me feel good. Well, my small win is uh, been doing construction all week on our rental property, and uh, I am almost totally finished with everything inside the house. I'm just waiting on some other guys that are coming over to do some some of the bigger stuff that's too heavy for me to lift, and uh, we'll be ready to rock and roll in another. Uh, week and a half Wait, so if you're looking for a what is it a two one or a one one it's a two one if two anyone one. out there is <laughs> looking, looking for, for a rental, rental in winter park, in winter winter park uh you know send us a <laughs> voicemail and we'll play it on the show so anyway remember to rate and review us on itunes it really helps new listeners to find us you can also send questions or stories to us at our website on seekingthebest.com you can leave us a voicemail and we will play it on the show send us a tweet at seek the best pod and for cat kale and myself thanks for listening and we'll figure this all out next week adios oh bye This has been a Think Live Be production.